Hello and welcome to a special edition of Cause High Viz. My name is David Hasty, Senior Associate with Cause's Projects Team, and I'm joined by Cause Senior Associate Paul Brickley. Today, we're joined by Chief Operating Officer of the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre, Leeton Wood. Leeton's foresight to promote and drive sustainability within a large-scale operation has been market-leading. Over the last decade, Leeton has been instrumental in introducing key sustainability initiatives while overseeing the exponential growth of the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. His support of the Melbourne Renewable Energy Project, which helped fund the development of a 39-turbine wind farm near Ararat, is a leading example. Causes' involvement with the Melbourne Renewable Energy Project has seen our firm act for a number of participants in the groundbreaking project. Paul, I'll throw to you. Thanks, David. It's Paul Brickley from Coors. I'm here with Leeton Wood, the COO of the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre. Morning, Leeton. Good morning, Paul. We are here sitting in the Melbourne Convention Exhibition Centre. Maybe you could start by telling us a bit about the facility and give us a sense of the scale of it. Yeah, it's a big place now. It's 750 metres from one end to the other. We uh, host over 1,000 events, close to 1,500 now. Uh, we provide an economic impact to the city of around $1.1 billion per annum. And, um, yeah, we've just ticked over the $100 million revenue uh, mark for the financial year. So the place has grown exponentially uh, over the last six to eight years and uh, it is now the biggest centre in Australia and we think the best. You have been open for 10 years or 11 years now with the, the um, expansion which opened last year. So you're, you're growing in scale. You um, clearly um, will consume a lot of electricity, other utilities and, and get through a lot of other consumables. Can you give us a sense of some of the sustainability measures you implement or, or maybe even before that, a, a sense of your, your approach to sustainability? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we, we really took up the sustainability uh, challenge probably five or six years ago and we'd inherited a wonderful convention centre that was six-star, green-star and we we're certainly taking advantage of that. But the team on the ground thought, well, are we doing as well as we can from an operational day-to-day perspective? And so we took up uh, took up that challenge and uh, a lot has, has changed. In more recent times, in the last two to three years, it's become a business imperative. Before it was something we thought we should do. Now it's something we must do. Um, we have all sorts of stakeholders that are interested in this area, including our board that need to act within uh, the bounds of community standards, and they do. Uh, the state's certainly interested. They've set some aggressive targets. Um, our employees are particularly interested in this area. And as an employer of choice, this is a critical area for us to be involved in. And our clients have become more and more interested over the last few years. And uh, not all of them, um, uh, I would say most of them now, but not all of them, but certainly the ones that pay us the most money, the most sophisticated, the big tech companies um, are particularly interested in this area. So we have no choice but to uh, do our best work now. This is one of the things that, that brings home to me is that some of the measures uh, you might implement are about, are about um, economising or efficiency or, or cost savings. But some of the other measures, on the face of it, they appear to to have a cost associated with them, with no necessary saving. And probably um, the Melbourne Renewable Energy Project, which we'll come on to, falls into that category. But you make an important point. Uh, 
on the bottom line, it might appear as a cost, but it actually drives business opportunity and, and business outcomes. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, there's some uh, projects that we've been involved in. We put an energy management system into the exhibition centre uh, some years ago. That now saves us about half a million dollars a year. And at the time, it was a uh, it was a sort of a six or seven year payback. But the way energy costs have gone, it's paid itself back already. So that's been wonderful, and there's there's various examples of that. But MREP um, was. Um, a little bit um, of a cost to the bottom line. Uh, that is, uh, there is no doubt about that. Uh, not not greatly significant, but certainly a cost. But we felt as an executive team and as a company that we couldn't expand our footprint by 20% and expand our carbon footprint by 20%. Mm-hmm. And so it was important to us we were able to expand our business without further adding to the problem of carbon emissions. And we're able to do that by our involvement with the Melbourne Renewable Energy Project. We're um, banding with 13 other significant corporations, uh, managed to um, build a new wind farm with 39 uh, 39 turbines uh, based on our commitment to a certain level of uh, renewable energy at a certain cost over the next 10 years. And I think the... The interesting thing about the, the Melbourne Renewable Energy Project is that, as you say, it was yourself and 13 other organisations, but it involved coming together and doing something as a collective that individually you probably couldn't have achieved in the sense that together you're able to um, provide support to fund uh, the development of, a, I think, an 80 megawatt wind farm, which is some achievement. Yeah, it was some achievement. It was led by the city of Melbourne, and I've got to tip my hat to them uh, in regard to that, it would have been like herding cats. Mm-hmm. Each of those 14 organisations would have had different suppliers, different contract durations, different commitments. And uh, it, it would have been extremely difficult uh, at times and very easy to say, look, this is just crazy. Now they've set the model, mm-hmm. um, the documentation around that, um, it's much easier for someone else to pick up and do that now, uh, thanks to them breaking that ground. I think that's right. and. I think what it also required was clearly um, the interest of all the participants involved to, to make it happen. So as you say, there are, there are 14 organisations. It would have been a bit like herding cats, but inevitably they had to have the will to, to get to common outcomes. Um, so there was, a, I think, an element of flexibility on all their parts, but equally also of Pacific Hydro and its financiers in the sense that, um, as I understand it, some of the 14 had different requirements in terms of the product they required, either electricity or um, renewable energy certificates or a combination of the two. And um, Pacific Hydro and its financiers were able to to make it work in the sense of um, being able to provide that flexibility while still um, satisfying their their baseline requirements to to fund the thing and get it up and running. Yeah, no, it's right. It was was a very complex Mm. um, uh, project to get off the ground. Uh, we're just thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we started uh, gaining green certification from that uh, on the 1st of January this year mm-hmm. uh, and we um, expect that to play a really big role in us hitting our carbon emission targets. So we set a sustainability plan back in 2015 and one of the goals was to reduce our carbon emissions by 30% by 2021 on that 2015 baseline. Um this will play a major role in allowing us to achieve that. Um, so we're, we're just thrilled to be a part of it. 
very, very, very proud to be a part of it. And we can honestly put our hand on our heart and, and say we uh, helped build yes. uh, a sustainable energy uh, wind farm. Can you tell us a bit about some of the other initiatives uh, led by the corporate side or, or perhaps the, the employee side of the business? Yeah, look, there's, there's so many to talk about. Uh, one that we've recently uh, implemented is an organic dehydrator in, in the business, so reducing our, our organic waste significantly. Um, another that um, is, uh, should be up and going by sort of the middle of next year is a sky farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a car park uh, over the river uh, that's top two levels are exposed and that will become a sky farm, again, in partnership with the City of Melbourne. So we're um, looking to create a virtual cycle with our organic waste and, and the herb beds and fruit trees and so on that will be happening on the Sky Farm on that uh, roof of the car park. So um, there's all sorts of things that we're looking at in, in future and certainly not resting on our laurels. From a, an employee perspective, I said earlier, it's really important to us to um, act in this area. Um, because that's an expectation of our employees and the younger they get, the more expectations they have. Uh, but we're up for it. We're really pleased to be involved in that. Also, Oz Harvest, uh, we have a pickup a day now um, that uh, provides meals to um, the disadvantaged in the city. Um, so we currently, last year, we did about 40,000 meals to the people on the streets of Melbourne. So... Um, there's just these win-win-wins, like a financial win, a, a social good win, um, you know, avoiding uh, landfill. Uh, there's some really clever initiatives now in this city that we're just only too happy to support. Another example you mentioned to us was the water bottles. So can you tell us about that initiative, how it started and, and what you've achieved? Yeah, that was about 2014. So we used to put pet bottles of water on... Um, meeting tables in front of delegates and uh, our team uh, thought there's got to be a better way of doing this and so they went to the people that make um, beer temperites based next to the Abbotsford CUB factory and uh, they worked out between them that they could use the beer temperites to produce chilled filtered water and so we have about um, 16, 17 of these things around uh, our precinct now and we use carafes um, to put the water into and glasses and so that's what happens in meeting rooms now so we don't have those pet bottles. Um, back then I, I, I knew exactly how many bottles we were saving. That was uh, seven years ago we were saving 235,000 bottles. Our business since then has more than doubled um, and so goodness only knows how many bottles have been saved. Millions and millions of bottles have been saved uh, since that day, so uh, the sooner we get these things started, the sooner we make a positive, a positive impact. But that that was a great result, yeah. And that's been that's been now copied by other venues as well. Excellent. I think that's an important point in the sense that you you can start these initiatives, but they do follow on, and it's probably an important message for people that um, yes, there are the big projects, but there are also the smaller incremental changes you can make, and that really uh, make a difference. There was another story about coffee somebody said does coffee go off and I said why is that and they said because you get a coffee delivery every day coffee doesn't go off upon investigation um, at least not in a number of days and so uh, now we have two coffee drops a month so instead of filling our loading dock with uh, 
carbon monoxide fumes. Um, we do it the way we probably should have been doing it forever, and now we're doing it in a much more efficient, effective way. Maybe sticking to the theme of coffee and the point you made about um, relationships with suppliers and, and changing their behaviours, I think everyone will know about the, the, the potential to um, recycle Nespresso coffee pods, but I gather that started here? Yeah, that's something we're really proud of. That came out of our food and beverage team and, and they were throwing away fifty to 60,000 espresso pods and they said to Nespresso, you know, surely you guys can use these if we were to give them back to you. And so Nespresso um, got thinking and came back a month later with uh, receptacles that we used to put the Nespresso pods in. So probably now we're up around 100,000 Nespresso pods a year. And... Um, and they are now systematically recycled throughout many venues like, like our venues. So we're really, really proud that um, someone in our team um, had the disposition, I guess, and, 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 and the thought uh, framework to come up with an idea like that. And that's what I love. Everyone here now looks at something through an environmental and a sustainability lens. And uh, once you get to that point, once it becomes a cultural norm, um, you get all sorts of crazy ideas come to you on a regular basis. It's great to hear. Thank, thank you for your time. Good on you, Paul. Very pleased to, uh, to sit and chat today about a, a subject I'm really passionate about. Leighton, Paul, thanks very much. My name is David Hastie and thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us for the next edition of Cause High Viz. This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.